Hey, everybody. It's Michelle, and I am completely cup runneth over with joy because today I get to announce that Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders is 100% done and in publication, and you can check out your copy on Amazon. And the best part, if that book moves you, if it grows your evidence-based triangle to to engage in interprofessional practice, to do the root cause analysis, to why the child is presenting with the PFD, to then engage with the team to get that child to a point of healing so that the real growth can begin, then y'all check out speechtherapypd.com because they are gracious enough to entertain all of these amazing, joyful ideas. And they're currently carrying the book for 13.5 ASHA CEUs. So (sighs) thank you for being a part of the first bite journey that led to chasing the swallow. And be sure to check out speechtherapypd.com for the 13.5 ASHA CEUs that accompany it. Happy learning. Hi, folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional, a speech therapy podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina, and I guess lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate by way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields. Or, as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee by way of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. All right, everybody. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing a lady who literally made one of my personal dreams come true for her own hometown. And I am excited. And honestly, I'm kind of in awe. 
Okay, so just like all the moms out there listening, once we put the boys to bed, y'all, I curl up with my favorite fuzzy weighted blanket, Miss Dog, who also fights me for the weighted blanket, and Instagram. And I kind of just zone out for a few minutes. And I'm sure all of the mamas in the room are nodding yes, yes. Anywho, one night, a couple weeks back, I came across this post in my feed about an SLP in Wisconsin who had collaborated with Talk To Me Technologies. I freaking love Talk To Me Technologies. Customer service is absolutely bar none. But together, they made the impossible happen. They created an AAC board and had it installed at a local adaptive playground. And this action, this is giving countless children a voice while they're playing with their peers. Y'all, I like straight up squealed. I woke up dog. I slightly scared my husband. It was happily murdering an alien spaceship on his computer. But luckily, the boys slept through all of my excitement. And I kind of messaged her on Instagram. I was like, please don't think I'm weird. But I messaged her on Instagram to come on the podcast because we need this. Y'all, we need real life superheroes to tell us how they did it how they handle the daily challenges of lack of voice for the least of these and change their stars in the world. And we need that inspiration with functional guidance. So y'all, without further ado, let me introduce to you the brilliant and beautiful Brie Emanuel, MSCCC SLP. Brie, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm hoping I said Emanuel instead of the wrong pronunciation. Did I do it right? <laughs> All good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> yes. Okay. I got to be honest. When I asked Brie to come on, she was like, I'm just a school SLP. And I was like, you are a freaking superhero. Own this. Please do this. <laughs> Definitely just your average school-based SLP. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but you do the hard things because our tick therapy for me, I mean, I can hardly say multisyllabic words on a good day. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. But we... Last night we were uh, at the boys' piano lessons and, you know, they have alternate times. And so I'm chilling with Bear and a little boy came in and was waiting on his lessons to start. And he was like a year younger than Bear. He was definitely an R kid. Oh. And, I was, and Bear was listening to him and he was like, I can say my R's now. I was like, shh. <laughs> yes, yes. my favorites. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is, that's a superpower in and of itself, friend. <laughs> yes. Very true. Okay, so take us from the beginning. What made you want to be an SLP and how did you take me through your journey? Yeah, so I feel like it actually starts from the very, very beginning. My mom was in a car accident before I was born. And so she is paralyzed from the waist down, from T9 level down, complete paralysis. And she has like grown up with a lot of different adaptions, I guess I should say. She pushes through her struggles and growing up with her, I just really found a niche with helping those with disabilities. And in high school, I was trying to figure out, well, what do I want to do when I'm older? Like, you know, you kind of figure out like, I'm going to go to college. Okay. Well, what do I want to go to college for? I don't want to just go to college just for all the fun, but (laughs) um, (laughs) I just, um, I was talking to my mom and she's like, well, how about you look into 
some sort of field where you're helping those with disabilities or some kids that need help. Like you're so good with kids. You, you're so good with helping me and different things. So let's look into different fields that we could really like find your niche. And so I ended up searching about speech pathology and in high school, my senior year, I did an internship with a local school-based SLP, fell in love with it and decided that's my path. I then went on to my undergrad at the University of Wisconsin-Madison for communication. That's a good scorters. Yes. Go Badgers. (laughs) (laughs) I actually live very close to Green Bay. So also go Packers. I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin and about 20 minutes from Green Bay. So I'm a big Packer and Badger fan. Love my football. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like the least athletic person in the world. So I'm just like, yeah, go team, score, touchdown. (laughs) Well, when you have a husband that's very into football, you kind of get into all of that as well. So yeah. Our one claim to fame is go Army beat Navy. I can also cheer that aside (laughs) from that. No. There you go. I love it. But yeah, in Madison, I really grew from my love with AAC and ended up picking a master's program that had an augmentative and alternative communication lab at their school. And I went to the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point. Absolutely loved it there. I grew so much in my like wealth of knowledge for AAC and love for AAC and communication devices just in general. I actually helped TA. Um, I was a teaching assistant for the communication like AAC beginner class. So I helped with that. And then I also was the manager, or I guess you could say graduate assistant for our AAC lab on campus. So we had about 15 plus different communication devices that I had to like troubleshoot when clients would come in. I would help them figure out what was wrong with them. I reached out to Talk To Me Technologies and like Toby Dynavox quite a bit. I got very close with a few people at Talk To Me Technologies and that's kind of where this communication board at our local playground here in Appleton started. So it starts back from the very beginning with my mom and just my love for helping those with disabilities. And now here I am. A passion. Yes. Yes, for sure. That honestly, that makes all the difference. And it's easy in our field to feel burned out and to feel jaded. But y'all in those moments, hold on to what pulled you in in the first place. Yeah. I had that yesterday. And I have felt fatigued lately, right? Just because, you know, life, end of the semester, yeah, paperwork, rawr. And uh, one of my patients that's never taken anything by mouth in his entire life picked up a spoon and brought it to his mouth of his oh. own will. And I dropped, I mean, luckily I was in OBS room and I'm like watching my students do the amazingness. And like, I straight up dropped all the four letter words and started crying. (laughs) I was so glad. I was like, thank goodness there's a filter. (laughs) But but it was that moment. I was like, I right there, right there in the fields. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So this has been... Brie, this has been like a dream for me. Like I have this dream project of 
engaging with our local police officers on how to communicate with adults with special needs in a crisis that use a communication device. And instead of having them pay for that training, having the police officers instead put in an AAC board at a park. Y'all, I know I've talked about this. Somebody out there, please go make this happen. I'm putting this dream out there so that we can all jump in on it, right? And I think that's beautiful because then we're addressing two birds, one stone, right? And although who actually would take a bird out with a stone? I don't understand that that (laughs) analogy, but like whatever. (laughs) But I just, when I saw what you were doing, it was just like, oh my gosh, she did it. But how? Because every time I think about it, I get overwhelmed with like, well, which community member do I reach out to? How do we get the ball rolling? And how did you come up with the language? And what size did you pick? And was it latex repaint? And like, well, who's going to repaint it and care for it when it breaks down? And the details consume me. And then another idea pops in and my ADD kicks in and I go there. So can you talk to me about the steps? Yeah. What initially inspired this? Yeah, of course. So years ago, gosh, it must have been 12, 15 years ago, my mom actually got an adaptive playground in our local area. When I was little, she would obviously take me to the playground and being in a wheelchair, it was really hard for her to get around. Like if my sister and I were up on a slide or stuck, like she obviously couldn't get us down by herself. And so there's an amazing adaptive playground here in the Appleton area. It's just, it's incredible. I can't even speak words to how awesome it is and being able to play on that with my mom years ago and just going to the park and seeing other kids with disabilities playing on the playground equipment is really, really cool. So at this park, they were adding a few different playground equipment to it this last year. During COVID times, they looked at it and they're like, well, this is kind of getting a little bit ruined. Like, let's just add a few more playground pieces. And so my mom connected with the Parks and Rec Department here in Appleton And she was showing me all the plans of what they were adding. And I'm like, mom, gosh, this is a perfect opportunity to add a communication to board at the playground. Like, let's go all out with this, get some type of way that these kids can communicate what they want to do, or even just communicate, like, I need to go to the bathroom. Like, how important is that to say, I'm thirsty, I need to go to the bathroom, or no, or I'm hungry, just basic needs that these kids need at the playground. Like let's, they're putting new equipment there this year. Let's see if they will add this on. And so my mom was like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with that. So how, how about <laughs> you, <laughs> you figure that out. And I was like, all right, mom, I could do that. And so she added me to their playground like committee meeting and I was talking with the parks and rec department and I had this all like figured out. I had it all laid out like a type A person, like here's like exactly what we need. This is the company that I want to go with. This is like what I'm kind of figuring out. And so they were like, wow, this is really, really impressive. And then they're like, well, tell us more. And so I ended up like giving them this spiel on what is AAC? Why is this communication board so important? 
why are we going so big and not just doing like four symbols? Because they're like, well, there's this one that playground equipment that has pictures on it, like of here's a slide and here's a swing and here's the spinner and different playground pieces. And I'm like, nope, that's not enough. Nope. <laughs> we need that's that core vocab also. <laughs> yes. So when I explained to them the importance of core vocabulary, they were like, okay, you're hiding this up and we're going to get this. We're going to make it happen. So that is kind of where we started. And the big thing was how amazing Talk to Me Technologies was to work with and connecting with them really setting up this communication board, personalizing it. We made it a bilingual board. So there are Spanish words and English words on there, as well as the symbols and the pictures. So it's absolutely amazing. I actually went there this last week just to see it again. And I need to get this at every park. (laughs) Like This is something Uh that needs to happen all over. And I need you to send me a picture of you in front of the board so people can just like... Yes, like this is just absolutely phenomenal. But honestly, forgive me, I didn't know that it was bilingual. And if I did, brain gone. But (laughs) this is universal access at its best. Okay, so did you get any negative feedback from the stakeholders? Did you have any pushback when you were going through this process? I actually didn't, which I was like, Thank God for just the process of how it all went. It did take us a few months to get it through and actually physically put it up at the park and to get it printed, obviously, and just the communication back and forth between what symbols and stuff. So the process took a little bit longer than I wanted. And I'm like, let's just get this on there. Like, I want this right now. But I really didn't have any pushback. The board, the Parks and Rec Department, they were awesome to work with. Once they saw like how passionate I was about it, they're like, yep, we definitely need this. So mm-hmm. yeah, it went pretty smoothly, actually. That's amazing. Okay. So then I have technical questions. What is the material that it's made out of? Because my thought is wood in splinters. <laughs> well, the, it, it, <laughs> sorry. I picked a lot of splinters out of the kids' fingers this summer. Yes. So like, sorry. <laughs> out of context, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a plastic and I probably should know exactly what this is, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what it's called. It's like a laminated plastic material, very kid-friendly. The posts, um, we actually just put up ourselves and the wood is... It's like a laminated wood. So there would not be any splinters. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, sometimes people these days like go around and they graffiti playgrounds or like they graffiti yeah. signs. So I was really nervous about that. But the company was like, well, we haven't had anything happen with that yet. So cross our fingers, no one go out there and graffiti my sign. But I (laughs) I was really nervous about that. Like, do we put a clear box around it that no one's going to like ruin it? But the material of it is really great. They, I don't think there's going to be anything that is going to go wrong with it or no splinters at all. Okay. We had one get put in across the river. Sorry, in West Columbia divided by like the merging of like two or three rivers. I didn't grow up here, so I don't know their names. I just know there's a river and it's cool to see it when it's not flooded. But 
there was concerns after it was installed with the height that it was installed at and then the paint because one of my little guys, he's deathly allergic to latex, like to the point that he can't go to school because the rubber tips from erasers, like if somebody were to use an eraser and then like those little remnants, you know, like, you know how they like, I don't know, it's like a rubber filament. He starts breaking out and hives all over his body if he just encounters those. So anaphylactic shock is a legitimate concern. So he's homebound services, but the playground, when they put the, like the fake floor on the outside playground, the mats have latex in it and the communication board the paint that was used was latex. And so ever since then, I'm just like, oh man, like I would not, had they not shared that concern, I would not have thought of that. So yeah, yeah. So folks, if you're out there listening and you're contemplating it, consider the paint <laughs> and the mats. Yeah. Well, while we're speaking, I'm actually looking up because I'm like, well, I don't want to say anything wrong. It's an aluminum board with corrugated plastic. Corrugated. Yeah. Yep. Cool. That's what it is. Nice. <laughs> corrugated. That's, that's it's amazing. Corrugated but plastic, yeah, but I don't even know. It has to do with <laughs> my husband's an engineer, and I'm like, oh, it has to do with the internal structures and how they're held together, like what shape they make. But like, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> We're like super nerds out of here, but again, the words are hard to say. I just know what they mean. Yeah. Okay. So then what, and I've seen other people and the boards that have popped up. And when I started this process, I mean, I got so far as like during the pin, like the heavy days of the pandemic, when we were stuck in our house, I met with a couple of different SLPs and kind of drafted up like vocabulary options. But in my attempts, I was like, I just don't think we need to go past 20. And that was, I don't know why I got so hung up on 20. I Honestly, I think it was the symmetry of the board just looked pretty. But I mean, that's a terrible idea. And when I saw yours, there were so many different vocabulary options. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so joyful. And then I was like, wow, did I miss the mark with only focusing in on 20 because of the symmetry? <laughs> but like, ta-da. But how did you pick the vocabulary and how did you lay it out on the board? Like, did you lay it out like in like the lamp format of like ver like pronouns, verbs, adverbs, adjectives, those kind of things, or Talk to us about that decision-making process. Yeah. So what's awesome is Talk to Me Technologies already had different options for the board itself. And they have one different sizes, but then you can also pick like, do you want it to be bilingual? Do you want it to be just English, just Spanish, whatever language is on there, but the symbols itself. So I want to say there's like 76 symbols. It's a really, really big board. And when I say really big, it's like 70 by 19. Like it's huge. And you can choose if you want it to be double-sided or single-sided. For our playground itself, we did the single-sided just because it was going to be facing a certain way towards the playground. So we didn't think kids would really need to go on the backside of it. But the symbols itself, Talk to Me Technologies already had 
like a draft up of like other playground communication boards. They actually have different choices for like a gym or a school board, but we looked specifically. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They pretty much have it all together. I really didn't do a lot. (laughs) To be honest with you, I'm like, well, don't sell yourself short here. You, I mean, like you initiated and like, and then followed through. I mean, I got an idea, but there's no follow through on the idea. So like, kudos lady. Thank you very much. But the core words are mainly on the left side of the board. And then the fringe words were on the right side. So I did a lot more with like our fringe words, like what specific playground equipment do we have? So I worked on those specific ones. But then the core, Talk to Me Technologies really had it all laid out. So it was pretty easy to figure out like pronouns and stuff on the left side and then different like adjectives. And it just kind of flowed and there it's laid out with pretty colors and I'm like yep this is it (laughs) we're we're going with it so yeah okay so I'm a huge proponent of community-based therapy yep also I worked as an SLPA in the public schools a very 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 long time ago and I felt like a caged animal getting scrunched in (laughs) so because I don't like to sit still in one building all day long. So hence the community-based therapy and I get along like peanut butter jelly time. And that would pull me there to do therapy because I feel like it's a more natural, it's a natural acquisition for for functional communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, if I was out in the community more doing therapy with students, I would totally take them to the playground. How fun would that be? That well, in general, therapy at the playground—that's awesome in itself. But to have <laughs> yes. this, um, to have the board there, and to really figure out language. And when I was actually there the other day, kids were coming up, and I was standing kind of by the board, and I was showing my little nieces, what the board was. And we were pointing at it. And one of them was like, drink, drink. And so I gave her her water. And then um, I had a few kids. Positive reinforcement. Yeah. And a few kids were coming up and they're like, what is this? And so explaining to other children that are there as well. So then they can communicate with kids who have those limitations and it was just amazing. It's so cool. And actually on the right side of the board, there is this little visual. It's a visual of two kids talking to each other. And one of them has a communication device and one of them doesn't. And the one that doesn't is saying like, hello. And the one that has a communication device says, hey, you want to play? And it's like a communication interaction back and forth with on the board itself that kind of shows them this is how to do it. And this is what it's all about. Like, let's communicate with each other. Even though there are some differences, let's figure out what we have in common. So I just thought that was a really cool addition to the board. It's like a graphic novel. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep. And I mean, like the boys are like straight up in love with like graphic novels. Like we've hit that age and that's just, but that's absolutely beautiful. Visual cues and Yes. Okay. So you had all this experience with AAC at a very 
like profound stage in your career, given that you were a graduate student. And one thing that I noticed is that I felt like I came out of grad school with this idea that the world focuses on best practice. Like the world just embraces current evidence-based practice and you're going to see it everywhere you go. And then you go out into the world and it's like, takes that big, beautiful idea and goes, (laughs) (laughs) and you're like, this is not how it looked in the textbooks. (laughs) But I felt that immensely when I first started with AAC, like I remember going up to the AAC office for like at the district office and there being like a dusty aluminum cabinet with a whole bunch of Big Macs and like you're pulling out Big Macs that like mm, definitely had some corrosive batteries in the back of them or like, you know, I'm old. So we had like a Go Talk 4 yeah. and you know, nothing super fancy high tech. And I think they might've had like one of the original Toby Dino boxes. That's basically the size of a microwave. And that was high living back then. Oh yes. (laughs) Like again, I'm a little older, but I struggled with implementing the plan of cares that were provided with what we had and the breakdown in AAC going into the classroom right? Like it was one thing to do it in a speech room, but like to do it in a push in. So can we, can we just like transition to like practice for a bit? And can you talk to me about that part of your experience? Yeah. So the carryover is huge. I mean, you can work with a student one-on-one or in a small group setting in your speech room. And then it's like, they're doing great in here, but how are they using their device? in the classroom, in the hallway, at home, in the community. So working with the teachers, working with parents, really doing a lot of coaching and showing them exactly like, this is how I'm modeling something, or this is how I'm working when this problem arises or something like that. Just a lot. I feel like it's a lot of coaching in order to get that carryover of skills from your therapy session to different environments. I would say that's probably the biggest thing is you have the expertise. You have to share that because you're going to look at this device. Let's say it's a high-tech communication device. You're going to look at it and a normal person is going to be like, okay, what do I do now? Like how, how do I, what buttons am I pushing or just even like the layout of it itself? So coaching parents, I think, is something that's really big and coaching teachers too. Anybody that's going to be caregivers, other therapists that work with a student, let's say they have OT or PT, coaching the team. You are part of that team and you need to coach everyone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like to tell my families, y'all, when I'm working with AAC, I tell my families that I am just their language guide. That's my job. But they have to become the tech guru for their device because there will be point of system breakdowns that happen outside of the one hour a week that I am at their house and I can't get to them to help them figure out the device, right? And so what I have found, and I only started doing this, like, and I'm embarrassed to admit it, like within the last two years, when we trial a new device, I make sure that the parents schedule a one-on-one training with the tech support team for whoever. And, And I put that on them 
you know, this is your responsibility. My job is to focus and coach you through targeted language to acquire and situations like within your daily routines to embed that language opportunity within. But you have to know the device. Also, honestly, I'm not tech savvy and I can't, I feel inept personally in guiding people through their devices because I have so many different ones that my different patients are using, you know, and I have seen a change in my caregivers. It's like they take, they're more invested. They take more ownership over it. And it's really cool because the ones that do that training, then they're quicker to reach out back out for help. And sometimes like I'll pop in and like maybe be a part of like the virtual training for like the first few minutes, kind of do a soft handle intro between the caregivers and the tech support team and tell them what we're envisioning, what we're working towards. And then I graciously bow out because that makes them more independent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in general, a lot of companies that have communication devices, they will have a training. Um, They will connect with parents. But I have really found that, again, going back to Talk To Me Technologies, I also love them so much. They have just a really, really great support system. You can go to them with questions. They have somebody that's going to be there whenever you need them, walking you through different steps of I can't get this to download or this button is not working. What do I do? And they have a great team that really walks you through a step-by-step will connect with parents. That remote support is awesome. So when you're in the schools, how do you get carryover into the classrooms? Are you working with little ones that are more in sped classes during the day or are they like push in, like, what does that look like in your particular facility? Yeah, I have a little bit of both. So I have some students that with their needs, they are more in the sped classroom, I would say about 90% of the time. Unfortunately, I would love for them to be in the classroom more often, but just physical. Likewise. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit too much right now. So I have some students that just stay in the special education classroom for most of their day. And then I have quite a few, a handful of students that are in both, like they'll be pull out in special ed or I'll go into their classroom. Um, With those students, a lot of them have like lower tech pictures on their desk or maybe like pack symbols, stuff like that. Actually, right now I only have two students that are using a high-tech communication device. Um, Last year was a few more, but right now I only have two. And then some of them are using a mix between their speech as well as like pack symbols. So it's kind of a Mm -hmm. mix right now, but... Yeah, total communication. Yeah, for sure. Makes perfect sense. And I think the biggest thing, again, Mm -hmm. is just coaching that teacher, sitting down one-on-one with that teacher. Like the teacher is going to have to know a lot of my teachers have a ring that they have different symbols on and coaching them. When you have a student that is struggling, go up to them and ask them, show them the pictures, not just your verbal speech, but that total communication aspect is super, super important. And visuals are 
amazing. They're awesome. <laughs> if you can use visuals, because it's really important for these kids, especially, and a lot of that coaching with the teachers is important. Yes. So we have a church daycare, not too far from here. And I'll give them a shout out Epworth's Children's Home Daycare. And they are absolutely phenomenal. The executive director over there has two master's degrees. She did them at the same time. I don't think, I don't know how she did it. I mean, the woman's just a goddess. And in the middle of a pandemic, we were in the process of getting a kiddo, a device, and they were so supportive that, I mean, the teachers, I mean, we, we'd have, you know, phone tag meetings. And then finally, once we got clearance, I was able to go in and do training on how to embed the device into like the morning routine at first. I was like, let's do baby steps. Let's pick like two times during the day when we can work this in. And the first one was like, good morning, good morning, good morning to you. How are you? I'll spare you all my singing, but like the little like songs. And it was just, it was the perfect time for, you know, the child to say like their name that they were here that day. And then, you know, how they felt like happy, sad, mad, those kind of things. And we had this huge aha moment breakthrough when I say breakthrough, but it was, they had buy-in on the device when the little guy was slightly snotty and then just kept um, saying mom and home and sad and then proceeded to spike a fever like a couple minutes later out of like nowhere. And they were like, legitimately, he was telling us he wanted to go home and that he was sad and didn't feel good. And like, but three word combo brought to you by functional AAC device and the kid can convey that he wanted to go home and did that. Is and That's oh amazing. my gosh, I was like, I'm, I mean, what if when mom called to tell me, cause she was like, she's like, okay, so I'm on my way to go pick up Munchkin, but I just have to tell you what happened. And I was so torn between like, oh, but the bubby is sick and is he okay? And at the same time, like, we did it. <laughs> so like, but I mean, it was, and after that, after that aha moment and that buy-in, then the teachers came back with, okay, where else can we add this in? And I mean, heavens to Betsy's, like now, like the, I mean, and you know, little person is like moved on. So, you know, from we've gone to like big school now, but like we have like friends and classmates that would come up and talk on the device and have a conversation. And y'all were talking like three-year-olds like three-year-olds, but they're like, hi, in engaging and interacting. And to me, that's been a huge way to establish stakeholder buy-in is having a peer model, like a peer support group. Also, full disclosure, Brie, the second you hit three-word utterances, (laughs) yo, I'm out. You're moving into syntax and grammar, and that is not my (laughs) cup of tea. So like, I immediately was like, let me phone a friend. (laughs) So like, tag your it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, but I mean, like, this is how grammar's hard. It is. I think another big struggle, though, too, is sometimes these kids have a difficult time figuring out their device or communicating in general and getting frustrated. And once they find that they can do it and they have, like, there's meaning behind their interaction and somebody is understanding what they're saying, 
their whole world changes. And you can instantly see that. And I think that is the huge click with a student is at my school. Like, let's just say they're having a hard time. They're frustrated. They're getting upset. And they hit the button, go away. I'm going to walk away. Like, you're telling me to go away and I'm going to walk away. And guess what? They might become a little bit happier when I walk away. (laughs) And that communication Mm -hmm. intent and that meaning behind there is so important. And for them to know, look what I just did. And I communicated my frustrations instead of hitting, kicking, like whatever they were doing beforehand to communicate. And I didn't know what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And then for them to hit that button that says, go away. It's amazing to me what technology these days can do and how much it's really helping. I just have no words for it because I I love it so much. (laughs) Yes. It's just stop. No. Those are powerful words. Bugger off. Of the things I thought I would program into a device, bugger off. Also, do you know how hard it is to then turn around and attempt to code the voice output so that it actually says that (laughs) you're typing in there and like phonetics like this isn't working like (laughs) yeah yeah no I was like I was like I just (laughs) if if we settle on booger off (laughs) yeah I'm like I cannot make this happen (laughs) yeah I've had a lot of those interactions before of just screaming at a device trying to get it to pronounce the word that I'm typing in there correctly Yes, yes. I have my favorite are like the made up names for like family members. I mean, I'm one to talk. My kids are goose and bear, right? But like trying to type those phonemically, and I'm like, oh my god, it's failing me. Yes. Okay, so I always, folks, I don't want y'all thinking that like I am a subject matter expert in the AAC because I am most definitely one thousand percent not, but. Some of my favorite life lessons that I've learned that are worth sharing. And then, Brie, I want to hear yours. I'll give three and then you give me your three. How about that? When I first started with AAC devices, Dr. Carol Bage with the South Carolina Assistive Technology Office, she was very quick to remind me, you have to start where you want to end. And I... Just like my example earlier, and I still battle this, I liked the symmetry of 20 words on a board because it was symmetrical and it was pretty. For our children, the Communication Bill of Rights, and y'all, you can check out the Communication Bill of Rights on ASHA. Just type in Communication Bill of Rights and it pops up and there's a second follow-up that's one unique just to AAC devices. I would unfortunately inhibit their options by underestimating their potential right out the gate. And if you start where you want to end, and full disclosure, I'm biased, I love LAMP, the ability to white out and then just have the white out the board or black out the board, whichever background color you've gone with, and then have the new targeted vocabulary emerge, it took me a long time to grasp that that was more ideal for my patients as opposed to the words constantly moving on the board because you're going from a four grid to an eight grid to a 16 grid and the child having to relearn the muscle memory. So that was huge mistake. Number one, start where you want to end. Number two was my choice in fringe vocabulary for the family. And with that deficit, with that concern for 
not being able to allow the child to pick their own fringe vocabulary. And that was me not knowing how to seek to understand what was important and the values of that family member. And there is a fantastic tool called the RBI interview. And forgive me, I don't remember the author of the routines-based interview checklist. But if you were to pursue the RBI eval, that would be a great tool to kind of come up with that fringe vocabulary. So that was my mistake number three, two. And my, my third mistake was automatically viewing a child with a vision impairment as not being successful for a eye gaze device. And my, oh, my, oh, my, how technology has proved me wrong and how they can be successful even if they have a cortical vision impairment. So please don't count that out just because of one potential diagnosis. You know, leave no stone unturned. So those are my three total biases. So Bree, what were your, not biases, those are my three flops, I should say, that hopefully I'm improving on. Bree, do you have like three that you look back in your career and you're like, Ruh-ro, Houston? <laughs> oh, yes. I probably have way more than three. <laughs> Yes, I'm just narrowing it down. Way more than three. Um, Just, I love the first one where you said, like, you need to look at the student where you want them to be or that adult or whatever, the client, where you see them going instead of where they're at right now. Making sure that you aren't pushing them too hard, but showing their full potential, I think, is something that... I mean, you look at them and you're like, okay, yeah, right now that they're saying they can handle these four words or they have this dexterity, but guess what? There's so much more potential in there and Mm -hmm. seeing that right away, I think is something that is, I've struggled with in the past and there are ways you can hide a button at first and then you can make it magically reappear and wait, it did not move everything else. I think that motor memory, like you said earlier too, they know exactly where all done is and all done should be on the same page in on every page and don't yes consistency yeah Yeah, that consistency that motor movement is key switching things up on them too much I mean I wouldn't want someone to switch up my language so switching that up or just rearranging things don't do it Okay, for you middle-aged women out there, do you understand the new terms like FOMO? No. Brie, one of my greatest mistakes was I confused a FUPA with a FOMO. Can I tell you how embarrassed I was? But that's it. Y'all, it ain't right. That's a very gross statement to have made again, but that's what it would be like for comparisons on our ends. So yeah. there you go. Also, don't do the Google. Well, exactly. <laughs> or someone like moves my coffee pot and it's like, nope, my coffee was there. And that's where I make my coffee. And now it's in a completely different room. Where is my coffee pot? And so just that, like, <laughs> I would cry. The confusion. I can't even imagine like you're moving their symbols around their words. You're moving their words around. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Okay, now I said coffee pot and now I'm craving coffee and my stomach is growing. 
I've had mine today. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so wait, that's do we have no. three or is there? Do we, I, I, <laughs> I'm just thinking about coffee. <laughs> <laughs> probably oh, three in a roundabout way I think the biggest thing is like potential like you said really think of the end goal where do you want them to be there are ways to hide those symbols there are ways to hide pictures but it's not going to change the now I'm losing my words um, it's not going to change that grid or it's not going to change not the grid but like where that symbol specifically is and is going to stay because it should stay and it should not move. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, I view AAC and dysphagia as basically kissing cousins. Like they're the same cousins. (laughs) Not a good analogy. This is how, you know, my family's from Virginia, but they're the scary parts of what we do. Like, let's be honest, having to learn a new technology, that's scary. And technology keeps changing. And then you roll in with control bionics and they got the neural node and the trilogy approach. And it's freaking amazing. And I love them. And shout out to Lane Riles with control bionics. She's phenomenal. She's a SLP. Um, We had her on the podcast. She came out and did like a hands-on training with my students. And it was the coolest thing in the world. And It was interesting to see how overwhelmed we all were. And then we were giddy excited because we got to try it, right? And it made it less fearful. And by the end, I was like, I need a contract for a long-term loan for all of your (laughs) devices so that we have it here at the university clinic. And like, yeah, legalese, dude, the contract was kind of scary, but they allowed us, they allowed our university clinic to have long-term loans on their devices, which did you know that was a thing? Because I didn't know that was a thing, but you can do that. So y'all, if you're listening and you can't, if you're a clinic owner and you can't afford to buy a device because they're $17,000 or $6,000, I am right there with you, but you can get long-term loans so you can trial the current evidence-based practice. You have one there for when your patients come in. And then if that ends up being a potential, then you can get a unique user loan agreement for that child. And again, wow, I'm an idiot. How did I not know that that was a potential? Yeah, I think the trialing, that's huge. I mean, one device is not going to fit everyone. And to have those loans, Mm -hmm. we had loans at my grad program and it was amazing because you have 15 different devices where there's clients coming in and they can trial out multiple different devices because one's not going to fit every single person. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. They're expensive. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they are. I had one device shipped to me just recently to make it to the university clinic, but they sent it to a grocery store instead of the FedEx store for me to go pick it up. And then it got lost because somebody signed for it at the grocery store, oh but like not on me. I mean, they found it, but like, you know, casually misplacing an $8,000 cardboard box like that, (laughs) that's not good for anybody. (laughs) And this is why we double check our addresses before we ship a box, people. That sounds like an adventure. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was in the middle of a thunderstorm with me running up and down Gervais Street, which is like our equivalent of like Main Street here in downtown Columbia. So just a normal Friday afternoon for, you know, average home health therapist. Cool, casual. All right. So if you have someone who is listening and they are contemplating trialing a kid on a high tech device, what would you recommend? Like, what is your first recommendation for starting that trial? Okay. Wow. Um, so <laughs> I have so many different like different ways that I'm like thinking about this, but seeing what their needs are, looking at, I would pick maybe three devices, reach out to a company, reach out to talk to me technologies and have a representative come with different options. So then that student, that family, they can all kind of see what the different options are. Maybe you're looking at LAMP. Maybe you're looking at something like Proloco to go. Maybe you're looking at just, I would have different options there and a representative that knows exactly that knows all the different options because you know what you get, I feel like sometimes we get stuck in like, I'm extremely familiar with Proloco to go. But then when I go to a different device, it's like, okay, where do I even start? How do I program this? When I haven't done it. (laughs) That's how I feel about LAMP. Because it changes. Technology changes. And, you know, I mean, my phone updates and I'm like, where do I find that now? And so you really have to dig into those companies, those representatives that are out there that this is their job. As a school-based SLP, I'm working with Arctic. I'm working with language. I have a few clients, students with AAC, but that's not everything that I do. And so I feel like we it gets into the back of our brain and sometimes we can't find the right folder that it's in. And so figuring out where to go, reach out to companies, reach out to those manufacturers, reach out to those representatives and have someone come in to help a student trial a device. I think that's the biggest thing that I have found is I don't know everything. And there's so much out there that we need to reach out to, to find the right device for that student. Mm -hmm. So that's where Mm -hmm. I would go. I would say, reach out to those companies, shout out to talk to me technologies again, (laughs) because they're so easy to work with. They have a lot of different options as well. So reach out. And I do have to give the disclosure Talk to me technologies do not pay for us to endorse them. We just really freaking like them. So like, yes. dun, dun, dun. I do not work for them. Yes. Though yes. I sometimes wish I would, but I <laughs> I've had that thought too, but then I'm like, I see why it's the contact for um the rep for South Carolina and actually uh Wyatt and his lovely bride, his Wyatt's undergrad is in speech pathology and his wife is actually a speech pathologist. And they just had a precious baby girl, but like I'm watching him pull out all these devices and put them together. And I'm like, I feel like you have to have a master's degree in just the construction of the thing. And like, no, 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 we don't need all of this. Okay. So my recommendation is, and I did this and do this a lot. AAC is a genuine love of mine, but I am again, by no means a subject matter expert. So I will schedule an appointment with Dr. Carol Page here at South Carolina Assistive Technology Office when I have a new case that's very complicated that I 
need to see through her lens. I need to stand on her shoulder so that I can understand because I don't know. And so it's amazing when you get with that person that's like a genuine whiz in the topic. And she comes in and she'll start pulling stuff, just like you said, all these different devices, but access points, ways to access the devices, things that I wouldn't have thought of. Like she just, she just knows or how to have one device set up in a stationary location, like you were mentioning on the desk and then having something that's for ease of transitions, like in the hallways or in a car or in a lunch line. I'm like, that's, who would have thought about having like, you know, a low tech communication board in the lunch line so that the child doesn't have to juggle a communication board in a lunch tray. That's brilliant. It's right there. And yes, but I mean, this is why we have those mentors in our lives. Okay. So favorite resources for, if you are looking at learning more about AAC devices, there is the annual assistive technology convention, which name just went right out of my head right before I started talking. Do you remember the name of that? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my goodness. Okay. It's a technology. AAC Institute. Here it is. Yeah. 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 AAC Institute. So it's AACinstitute.org. That's the resource. I would check that annual convention out because that's where you'll go and see like all of the cutting edge things that are happening. And then check your local universities because sometimes your universities will have AAC guest lectures And then SIG 12 is special interest group 12 for AAC. And again, folks, when they write those journal articles, those journal articles are not dry. Like the ones we had research in grad school, they're functional. So like you can read it and then implement the material very, very quickly. So yes. Do you have a preferred resource that you'd like to go Um, to? I'm a big ASHA, ASHA lover. I mean, I feel like things change so much. And so just reading ASHA articles or getting, yes, yes. I love the leader. (laughs) I have a stack (laughs) that I need to read through and I'm like, oh my God, this just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And (laughs) where is the time? But this ASHA leader stack is getting bigger. Yes. No, I I got mine in my office and I thumbed through my favorite highlights. I love seeing the pictures. There's a page in there with like pictures of like therapy being done. And then they, but it's like superimposed over a map. So you can see where in the U S that they're doing the therapy. And I'm like, that's really cool. But like, we need a global map and see where they're doing therapy in the world. And I think of that. Yeah. I would say just continue to do your research things change so much, especially within that technology world and the world that we're living in now with technology just booming. Things are changing and that evidence-based practice is so important and to be up to date with it. Do your research. Okay. Well, Brie, if anybody is listening and they want to reach out to you to ask more questions specific to the AAC board or just life in general. Do you have an email address or an account that they can yeah, reach you Yeah, of course. At? It's a long email address. <laughs> so get ready. I would love to have anyone reach out to me though. My school email address. Are you ready for it? 
Yes, yes. Go for it, lady. It is Emmanuel, E-M-A-N-U-E-L. And then my first name, Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A at A-A-S-D dot K-12 dot W-I dot U-S. And that is mighty. That is, that's a mouthful, honey. <laughs> yeah, so I hope you got that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And one we, email address. Yes, yes, that's great. Oh, my stars. Okay, well, and everybody that's out there listening, wait, stop. Brie, thank you so much for coming on and being you and being oh, thank just you. You're fearless and brave, and we need that. So thank you for filling our cups and inspiring us to do more. So thank you. Well, I'm not that great. So everyone can do this because um, put your mind to it and set those goals. Yes. Thank you. Everybody that's listening, make sure you check us out on at First Bite Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. Leave us a review on Apple iTunes. We love it when you hit the five stars or just give us kind words back. And then don't forget that at Chasing the Swallow is also on Instagram and my book is available for sale on Amazon and is eligible for 13 and a half continuing education hours through ASHAF and through speechtherapypd.com. I hope everybody has a lovely day and thank you so much. Feeding Matters guide system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. So what is this alliance? The alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. Hey, so it's Michelle Dawson here, and I need to lay out my disclosure statements. So uh, if you ever wondered how bad my ADD, ADHD, and lack of sleep Monday through Monday actually is, well, here you go. These are my non-financial disclosure statements. I volunteer with Feeding Matters. I'm a former treasurer with the Council of State Association Presidents. I'm a past president with the South Carolina Speech Language Hearing Association. I am a current member of both ASHA 
and Skisha. And for this year, for 2021, I volunteered for the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Planning Committee for the ASHA 2021 convention. My financial disclosures. Okay. All right. So I receive compensation for first bite presentations, as well as talking teletherapy and understanding dysphagia from speechtherapypd.com. I also receive royalties from speechtherapypd.com for ongoing webinars that I have on their website, as well as compensation from PESI Incorporate for a lecture course that a webinar that I have on their website as well. I am coordinator for clinical education and clinical assistant professor for the Masters of Speech Language Pathology program at Francis Marion University in Florence, South Carolina, for which I receive an annual salary. I also receive royalties from the sale of my book, Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders that I self-published and is available on Amazon. And I do receive royalties from the accompanying 13 and a half hour CEU for the book from speechtherapypd.com. So yeah, I stay pretty busy, but those are my financial and non-financial disclosures. If you ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out. All right. Thanks y'all. Bye.